From Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Podvocate. We are law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts and join us every Saturday evening at 6 on WLUW 88.7 Chicago. For more information about this episode and our guests, please visit our website at thepodvocate.com and check out our social media pages. My next area of exploration in the Privacy and Security series focuses on intentional privacy. Privacy by design is a process that addresses data protection considerations throughout every step of the product design and development process, rather than as addition post-design. Maggie Hanjani is a Data and Privacy Global Senior Advisor, Senior Principal Legal Counsel, and Privacy by Design Lead for Medtronic, a medical device company. Although she has many titles, Maggie excels at translating global privacy regulations in an efficient and business-friendly manner. She also created and implemented Medtronic's privacy by design process. Maggie is an experienced privacy counsel with a demonstrated history of business acumen in healthcare privacy and has specific experience in implementing global privacy principles, including HIPAA, GDPR, and CCPA, state AG privacy investigations, incident response, organizational arrangements, data privacy strategy, and privacy by design in the medical device industry. Please note, all opinions expressed on the pod are solely mine and or Maggie's and do not express the views or opinions of Medtronic or Loyola University Chicago. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Marissa, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So our listeners are really excited to learn about privacy, but first I'd love to start with you sharing a bit about your background and experience and how you became interested in privacy. Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think that everyone, um, all of my colleagues I know right now in in, in data privacy all came from different pathways. So um, I did go to law school, but it's not necessary, I think, um, to be a great privacy professional. Um, but I did go to law school and graduated in 2012, 2013. I was one of those like mid-year graduates. Uh, and at the time, it was the, the market for jobs was really tough. I thought I wanted to go into criminal defense. There wasn't a ton of jobs. And um, I just kind of used the networking that I had. In the meantime, I did some doc review, um, which did prove to be helpful later in my career. So I did that while while waiting out for the perfect fit. I have um, an aunt who is in healthcare compliance. So for my graduation gift, she took me to a conference um, of healthcare compliance. And there, by the luck that I had, um, I met one of the most brilliant minds in privacy. Um, her name's Jackie Munson, and uh, she's very well known in the privacy and security world. And at the time, she was uh, just starting as the new chief privacy officer for a very large healthcare provider network in California. So uh, I just kept my conversations with Jackie going, and she ended up taking a chance on me, which uh, meant at the time that I would have to move from. Minnesota, where I'm currently based, out to California. And 
you know, it might be interesting to your to listeners who are in law school right now is that that's, that at first glance, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't want to leave the Twin Cities, but I did. Um, we had a lot of support in my law school um, where we had a lot of mentors talk to us. And I remember one specific mentor talking about, you know, if you, not, not, not everyone can get a job right away that they want in the Twin Cities. At the time, we had four law schools churning out JDs, you know, every year um, and to be open to new experiences. So I, I had that in mind. The market was bad. And so, um, and when you, if you ever meet Jackie, you just take a chance on Jackie, you bet on her. So I did that. She took a chance on me and that's where I really got my start into privacy and really my boots on the ground. So um, at this provider, I was a privacy officer for um, ambulatory surgery centers, um, home health care and hospice. Um, a health plan, and then eventually a hospital. And that's really where I got my start. So understanding um, mostly HIPAA. This was before CCPA, which is California, um, new data regulations. Um, and so really in, in the zone of HIPAA and uh, patients and providers, and really started with, you know, investigations, incidents, business associate agreements, um, really, really working with um, hospital staff and understanding privacy and the importance of privacy. Um, and then I, uh, I spent, you know, really enriching four and a half years there. Um, and I had a child and wanted to come back to the Twin Cities. And unfortunately, this was pre-COVID where people weren't used to working remote. So I had to leave that organization. And I, um, ended up applying for a job at Medtronic where I still am. And Medtronic is the world's largest um, global medical device manufacturer. It was a big change still within healthcare, but a really different look at privacy um, with a big focus on manufacturing and medical devices um, and data from that perspective. Um, and that's where I am today. That's really interesting. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what it's like to be in-house counsel versus somebody that say is working as external counsel within a firm or even somebody that say is working in, within the government sector. Yeah, it, it's a good question. And I can only really speak to in-house. That's all I've, I've really been. Um, when I was in California, I was a privacy officer, so not actually practicing. Um, and now I am, I, I'm a practicing legal counsel at Medtronic. Um, I think that the biggest difference when I talk around my colleagues are um, when you're in-house, you really do have an ability to dive deep. And so with privacy, what that means is that you, you actually have the time um, to dive deep into the software, um, understanding how the technology is actually working. Um, of course, I'm speaking from, from, a, from a perspective of my perspective, but um, and you, you get time with the team. So I think that is a huge advantage when you're looking and figuring out issues um, and issue spotting. Um, but I think also there's so many privacy regulations these days, and there's so many companies that need to consider privacy and not everyone can, can, can afford, not every organization can afford to have specialized privacy legal in-house counsel. So um, there are some really terrific outside counsel um, 
you know, big and small. I'm thinking just even in the Twin Cities area, there's some really good small medical device firms where um, these smaller tech companies, if you can't afford to get an in-house, um, going outside is, 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 is a really good option um, and, and to understand your basic kind of compliance. So why is privacy so important within the medical device industry specifically? Um, I think, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Um, so first of all, you know, working within the medical device industry and with healthcare in, a general, in general, individuals have to provide some sort of information about themselves to get care, right? So um, it, it's, it's really hard to anonymous, anonymously go get care. And that's regardless of whether you're in the provider space or you're a medical device manufacturer. And um, there's, there's always also a certain degree of vulnerability that comes with the patients. Um, and so it, by being in healthcare, you're inherently getting some information on people and data on people and, and usually during a very vulnerable state of their lives. Um, and so being able to protect that and the, their privacy um, is really important. Um, and also you think of these great healthcare organizations, the reason they went into business is to help people and to help the human welfare. Um, and so this is this is top of mind of, of theirs and privacy is part of that. I think also from a strictly business perspective, um, privacy can really be a business enabler. Um, and you know, there's a term that is used a lot of voice of the customer. And what that means is taking into account what your customer wants um, during design phases. And privacy is part of that, right? Because um, whoever you're selling to, whether it's, um, you know, a healthcare provider or an individual, um, they either need to follow the laws themselves or they want their data protected themselves. So, um Doing that um, is only going to improve your business and enable your business um, rather than harm it. So this actually brings me to my next question about kind of different approaches to incorporating privacy considerations into design, specifically within, obviously, the tech space. Um, but you are um, the lead of um, your privacy by design program at Medtronic. And so I'm really interested to provide to our listeners who may be really unfamiliar with the concept of privacy by design, kind of an explanation of what privacy by design means and what that entails um, within the, specifically within the medical device space, which is where you're functioning. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Marissa, for the question. Um, so Privacy by design, um, you know, in the theoretical view has been around for a very long time. There have been practitioners of privacy for, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, and what it just entailed is taking um, privacy into account at the beginning stages of an idea. Um, what occurred with GDPR is that this became the law within GDPR. And they also went a little further to um, state that, uh, and for your listeners, GDPR is the um, 
data protection regulation in, in the EU. Um, and so within um, this GDPR with privacy by design, it also required um, if you're processing personal data to do privacy by default. And, and what that means is um, should a user do nothing, um, their privacy would be protected. This is really where you start to see um, all the toggles when you're online or on your phone. Um, do you wish to share your information? Uh, do you wish to receive a newsletter? Um, the toggles, privacy by default would declare that the toggles are toggled off and you actually have to make an action to toggle it on. So, so with this coming into the law, you know, um, you kind of put organizations um, up to a challenge of how you actually do that. So many organizations have been doing privacy by design. You know, you, there's, it all just depends on what your the book of business is. So I think um, some, some really good ways to think about it is if you're uh, in a designing a physician's office and you are thinking about the floor plan and you want to put the computer screen somewhere where the general public wouldn't be able to see the names on the computer screens, that's privacy by design. Um, within medical devices, what's so specific um, is that this is such a highly regulated um, industry with medical devices that they have right and true engineering processes to create these medical devices. So well, my take on it was why don't we take the process that you use to make a medical device and just add privacy checkpoints along the way so that we can ensure that when the business goes to launch, um, they aren't caught by surprises that they needed because that can be really costly um, when you go to launch and you know, you're unable to answer your questions from your customers or from the government um, because it's not something you've contemplated. That's really how I have thought about privacy by design as it pertains to medical devices. How would you say the privacy by design approach that's being incorporated much more frequently now is different from tradi more traditional approaches to privacy, both within just kind of general healthcare and also specifically within the medical device um, realm? So I, I'm not sure if it has changed um, because I think it, it, it just depends on your organization. So again, privacy by design can happen by uh, someone raising um, a private uh, an idea to their attorneys or privacy practitioners um, and, and talking through with it. I think it did put more of this emphasis of this um, brainstorming, right? And um, and just inviting privacy to the table um, early on. Um, but I, I, I think there are a lot of organizations and a lot of privacy practitioners that have been doing this, um, but this GDPR made it a requirement. Well, I, for one, am a fan of that being a requirement <laughs> versus voluntary. Um, we are seeing a lot of regulations coming out in relation to privacy. They're kind of coming from every angle. We're seeing them on different levels. So, you know, whether it's federal or state or international, um, there's just kind of privacy seems to be the hot topic of the day. Um, what are the challenges that these new regulations are posing to companies? And then as a secondary part to that, 
how are you thinking about addressing those challenges moving forward? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we talk about um, with, you know, when you think about privacy by design and you, and you talk about the consequences of not having privacy by design, one of them is having unintended consequences. And that, that's, that's really um, an output of anything in the engineering world too. You know, you need to, you want to contemplate the unintended consequences. Um, these regulations can also have unintended consequences. Um, and so when there's differing global regulations or they are unclear or they haven't contemplated how um, things that are really good for society are using data, there could be unintended consequences of those two. One of them I, I'm thinking of, of just a lack of innovation, right? If we're, we're so conservative on how we're using our data, um, how do we move together as a society with technology? So that's really difficult. I think um, data localization is becoming pretty difficult too, um, simply because it's costly. And if every region is going to start, um, you know, wanting a, a localized server um, in every territory or every state, um, that again is going to, uh, when, when you have these organizations that want to contribute, um, they have to factor in all those costs and whether it's not, it's reasonable to go into an area um, with those costs. So, sorry. Uh, could you just yeah, maybe um, give a quick explanation as to what data localization is for our listeners that are sure. unfamiliar? Yeah, and it, it has different flavors. Um, but basically, um, it's we're seeing some regions of the world um, requiring that data on, on their citizens um, doesn't leave a certain region. And I know that's a very vague explanation, but it's, I'm trying to be vague to incorporate all of them. They come in different flavors. Some um, want, you know, the, the data can only leave um, if there's uh, really great, strong contracts in place. Some of them, the data cannot leave at all. Um, so it's really kind of this, uh, I, I'm i not sure what it's born out of. My gut is telling me it's born out of fear, um, either that, um, you know, there will be misuse of their citizens' data and they're, they're trying to protect it. It could also be wanting to advance um, own technology, um, but, but the regulations, you know, just simply keeping on top of all the different regulations is a challenge. And then um, when you think of like a global company um, trying to progress, um, it's, it would be difficult to um, kind of continue to dictate where the technology can and cannot live. What do you see as the role of ethics within specifically the privacy by design realm? Like we know that ethics plays a huge role in technological development or ideally plays a huge role in technological development, but specifically in the sphere of privacy by design, how do you see that, that role being kind of plugged in, evolving, existing, maybe what's your kind of your perspective on ethics and um, ethics being incorporated into design? Yeah, I think naturally just common sense would dictate that ethics would play a role in privacy by design. Um, how that's structured uh, is a totally different question. Um, but, but I think 
you know, the, um, the, the companies that are doing it well are having these brainstorming in the beginning. Again, you know, unintended consequences, what can happen through this development. I don't necessarily think it's that much different in privacy by design than it is in technology. Maybe that's because I am practicing privacy by design in technology. Um, so it's hard for me to, 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 to separate the two. Um, but it, it certainly plays a role. Um, and the framework um, would differ depending on what you are trying to build, I think. Um, and that's, that's where it gets to when we have these privacy regulations as regulations and how we actually comply with them. The frameworks help. Um, and I just, I don't see a world where you can separate the two because um, privacy is an ethical decision. Is that something that in uh, in just general healthcare, not necessarily even within um, like health devices, is that something that is essentially just considered the role of the lead privacy council? Is that a separate role? Is that in theory should be a separate role? Is it a compliance officer's space to function within? Like, who do you see that falling on? Does it fall on everyone? Yeah, I. Uh, that's a really good question, Marissa. The way I, this is again, just my opinion, not, not of my employer or previous employers or who have you, but um, I, I, I think ethics has to be part of the culture of the organization. Um, and it should be falling on everyone. I don't, I don't see a future where you have an ethical lawyer, right? And that's the person you go to to um, make sure that you're practicing great ethics. Um, I, I think it's, it's uh, really a, a backbone of an organization. Um, and so everyone coming to the table, and, and ethics is so, so broad, right? But like it takes multiple voices. Um, it's not one decision maker. Um, and that's, you know, that's how I see medical devices being made as a whole. There's not one person making the device. There's a team in brainstorming and conversations and innovation and um, everyone's bringing thoughts to the table. You're not limited to your role and ethics in an organization certainly should not be limited to one role. Yeah, I totally agree. I I definitely do wish that there was kind of like an ethics office in every organization that is developing technology, but I understand why that is not necessarily the answer or even feasible. Um, and I think there is, like, I, I think there is, you know, there's, there's uh, compliance office and office, offices of ethics and compliance. And, and I think you're right. And I didn't mean to, um, Kind of skip over that. There's definitely some people whose job it is to to think about it and contemplate that more than others. I just don't think that um, only one voice sh should be ruling that. Absolutely. Um, thank you for that. That is one of my kind of um, the bee that I have in my bonnet right now is thinking about ethics in in technological design um, and development. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little stuck on that right now. Um, well, for good reason, right? It's, it's, uh, it's bad for the betterment of us, of us all. Absolutely. Tech in service to humans, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, 
Although I'm sure that that can be a controversial statement in and of itself, depending on the demographic <laughs> you're talking to. But Maggie, thank you so much. My last question is just maybe, a, you know, for a kind of open floor for you. If you had some advice to give to students that are interested in either getting into privacy or getting into health law or medical device legal work, what would your recommendation be um, for them to, to, to kind of look at or pursue? Oh, that's a great question. Um, be grateful that you know what you want to do, because I think a lot of us don't. Um, I certainly didn't know that this is what I wanted to do. Um, but if you know what you want to do, take those opportunities as they come, you know, take the doc review, take the, um, if you want to be privacy legal, look for anything you can get to, to, to really understand, um, more about it and understand that, um, it's, it's a really evolving market and an evolving, um, subject matter. So get in any chance you can get. Uh, don't don't just aim for the top. Um, I think in my career, looking back, I, I didn't realize how many how my different roles have played um, a part in my career and my breadth of knowledge, and how important they are. Um, so so that would definitely be my advice. Um, and there's there's really great resources right now. I, I think you know ever a lot of people are familiar with the IAPP. If you're not. Um, look it up. That that's a great resource for privacy professionals. And there's uh, local chapters you can go to network. Um, it's a hot market right now. Um, and also, if there's a company that you you like or you're admiring, um, go talk to them. Go see what go see what work they have. Network there. I hated the advice network when I was in law school because it just doesn't come naturally to me. But um, it, it really does matter um, because there's so there's so many things, so many people. Um, there's just so much to learn. This is funny because this is a theme that keeps coming up every time I talk to somebody on the pod, which is as much as you may hate to network, do it because it actually really does pay off in ways that you could never predict. And I can speak from personal experience. Pretty much every single job that I've gotten in my career since my I'm aging myself, but since, so probably for the past 10 years, since my mid, mid to late twenties has been because of network building and making sure that people knew what I was interested in, knew what I was doing, knew that I was thinking critically about things and I was relating to them and they thought of me later and it came back around and it benefited me and benefited other people as well. I've, I've, you know, been able to return the favor as well. And so as frustrating as it may be to those of you that it's not totally intuitive to, networking really is one of our, our best ways of getting jobs and making interesting yeah. jobs in the meantime. Absolutely. And networking when you don't need anything, um, I think is a, a brilliant strategy because it puts you at ease and the other, other people at ease. So um, when you're not looking for a new job is probably one of the best times to start networking. Um, so those of you who are 1L, 2L, um, that, that's a really great time to, to, to get started and make some connections. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that keeps coming up is like, don't be afraid to fan somebody's work you're a fan of. Like I fangirl people whose work I'm a fan of all the time. 
I have a job offer. I've been employed. I'm not looking for anything, but I have been able to make some really amazing acquaintances and have some amazing mentors like Maggie, simply because I was excited about them. I thought they were really cool. And then I was able to coerce them into coming onto my podcast. So (laughs) you never know what may happen. (laughs) It's such a pleasure, Marissa. Thank you again, Maggie. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I hope to see you soon. That's all from us here at The Podvocate. And thank you again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. Visit our website at thepodvocate.com for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communications at Loyola University, Chicago. Our editors-in-chief are Christy Pettides and yours truly, Marissa Polowitz. Our associate editors are Neka Ugu, Marcus McNeil, Andy Vandenbush, and Casey Callahan. Special thanks to Professor John Dane and Dean Stephen Russian for providing the resources and support that make this show possible. From Loyola University, Chicago School of Law, this has been another episode of The Podvocate.